Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. This is Amir Malikpour. And since we talked about first couple issues of Copra last week, it seemed appropriate for us to visit the first couple issues of Suicide Squad circa 1987 by John Ostrander and uh, Luke McDonald and Craig or Carl Kiesel, excuse me. So Amir, what did you think of reading kind of the original after reading Copra? Um, I really enjoyed this a lot. I saw a lot of uh, similarities between them. For example, the boomerang guy was pretty much the same sexist jerk. Uh-huh. Both, you know, and um, I really enjoyed the story. I read it through digital uh, on Hoopla and... Um, I thought it was pretty exciting. I do have some interesting notes about the original one. There's definitely a little bit less. Uh, some things didn't uh, hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things are funny. Like, for example, the little mic on the finger, you know. Uh, what's interesting is Vicky Vale, isn't that what was also reported that was uh, looking into the Suicide Squad, that's like Batman's girlfriend, right? From the movie. Yep, it is so that Batman's was kind of that was yeah. used. Yeah, there were some things that you know I oftentimes get kind of annoyed by. Like I noticed, like they they mentioned like somebody is like, oh, I'm diagnosing that person as schizophrenia, but really it could be multiple personality. These are just some of the nitpick stuff that I looked at, and then also, um, um. The bad guys were like, you know, and it's just kind of some interesting things about like the nature of the bad guys are kind of like, you know, Middle Eastern, you know, just uh, the, the sign of the times in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming this was written in the 80s, right? Yeah, this is from 1987, so it's 35 years old. Yeah, yeah. And so like, um, um, like the, uh, the leader, his code name is Rostam, which is actually like, having a Persian background, Rustam is actually like the Hercules of Iran. Oh, okay. It's interesting. And then like, I noticed like the Ravon, uh, Ravon means crazy in Farsi. Who's the other guy that's bad? He worships the Kali Indian goddess of death, which is, and then they use that as a reason why he could be crazy because he likes that killing people. You know, it's kind of interesting how some of the justifications were, but, um, but it was it was a lot of fun. I, I think like there was a lot of cool action, especially mm-hmm. the second issue that we read, where like they paired up the, you know, the Suicide Squad team versus the bad guys. You know, that was cool. There's a lot of like, um, um what was it like the double agent type of thing? There were like yeah. somebody on the Suicide Squad turns, or and then she finds that the person she turns to is actually part of the suicide squad. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I like how it like kind of like sets the template for a series you really want to read, right? Because characters get killed, characters betray each other. Everyone's got this really kind of, I don't want to use the word quirky, but I'm not sure what the other word is. These kind mm-hmm. of personalities that are just so kind of unique to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all these characters that's like kind of come alive on the page, like you were talking about with the villains, right? They just feel like there's like something more going on there than just what we're seeing on the page. And I think Ostrander does a great job of just kind of drawing a little, them a little more complex, right? And we don't get much in this first issue, but you get like a sense that 
Bronze Tiger and and um and Deadshot have like these complicated backstories that we're going to dive into as the series goes on. And and I think he just does a really good job of kind of like just teasing us with that. Yeah, and even the relationship between um, the enchantress and the the leader of the squad, like where they used to date or something, or in love. Yeah. Yeah, there's all those little details, right? And and the enchantress too, right? June Moon is is like so kind of tortured by her alter ego, and she reluctantly turns herself into. Her other self but she still goes out on the missions because she feels an obligation which might be tied to the love and yeah it's like she she really has like this interesting level of complexity that Ostrander just draws really quickly mm-hmm. yeah I think Ostrander is a really good writer I really enjoyed it I think he did a great job I mean Luke McConnell is pretty good too I actually was not expecting to really like the stories and I thought that he did a good, you know, the storytelling is very serviceable and the story is really good too. It was like a, it's like a typical 80s action movie. Like, I don't know if you ever remember Delta Force with Chuck Norris. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. It's like a, a Chuck Norris type movie or a Van Damme type movie, even like Predator, right? It just, it's just like yeah. this relentless action. Yeah, the first half of Predator. Yeah. Yeah, until it gets into the sci-fi side, right? When it's all the commando stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or like commando. Right? It's like something you like a, it's totally like renting a old VHS tape and mm-hmm. watching, you know, this this awesome, awesomely fun, kind of not super deep action. Yeah, yeah. Uh you were talking about Luke McDonald and like his art is so kind of stiff to me. His characters all kind of have the same faces and, and his style just is a little bit, well, it's not slick in any way, but I think it really does work for this kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more like the flatness of it really kind of emphasizes the pure action elements of it. Where like, I think if it was drawn by someone with a slicker style, uh, it would be less relatable as what it really is. Yeah. And also, like, there's not a page in here that doesn't have more than, like, eight panels. Like, this is a really dense comic, but it never feels like there's too much. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, I mean, there's, you're right. I guess there are some, there's more than eight panels on some of them, right? There's, like, there's one on... Second issue, I think there's like uh, on page four, it's like 10 panels. Yeah. There's a lot of dialogues. Yeah. It's it's not, it doesn't have any like trickery panels. Like it doesn't have anything that's like, you know, like one of those, like it doesn't do any Steranko experimental panels. It's just like serviceable. Here's the story. Here are they talking. Doesn't look great. Doesn't look ugly. It's just doing it you know it's business as you you know like just business it's all business it it feels so professional right but even like i'm just looking at like page two and issue two and the scene of uh, captain boomerang kind of disappearing into chimera or or, uh what's her name's nightshade's hole 
and we see him kind of sinking down in the panel and get a sense of like him shrinking down and then she comes up uh, yeah. in opposition to him. Like it's really pretty well done. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I actually didn't notice that when I read it the first time. I'm noticing it now. And as I noticed it, it's like, how did Boomerang get out of that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think she lifts him out of it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. But like you were yeah, talking no, I mean, about a minute ago, home. like having this character, Chimera, who has been part of this whole murderous rampage in the first issue, turn out to be one of the good guys. And she's kind yeah. of tortured by it, right? Mm-hmm. You made me accessory to a massacre, she screams at Rick Flag. Yeah. Uh, like, it's really good at like just giving us a sense that these people will do anything, but there is a moral line that they'll mm-hmm. want to cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only one who seems one dimension is Captain Boomerang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's on the good guy's side, but he seems like a bad guy. Yeah kind of unrepentant right i want i mean i haven't read further so it's not a spoiler but i wonder if he's one of the people that's going to turn kind of like the copra one he is an interesting character throughout the series and a lot of these characters change substantially throughout the book Mm -hmm. you can see from my background they bring in a lot more characters too Mm -hmm. and of course there's characters who brought in get killed and like the characters in this first couple issues um, but like, I don't think it's a spoiler to say like Boomerang and Flag last through the whole series, but like the whole deal with Flag and his ex-girlfriend Karen is a storyline in there. It twists and turns in ways you don't expect to. Like, it, and that's a lot of what makes this book so appealing. But also these, these Karaki villains also reappear. You know, in the end, the Karaki leader is screaming for vengeance mm-hmm. and he kind of goes and pursues that vengeance. And so, um, and so it's like, I guess it's kind of like an 80s action movie as if, if there were like 20 different movies in that series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And there was somebody, like, I did like, it looks like somebody did die in this one. Was that the, the character, the bad guy that looks like Sabretooth? Bad guy? Is that the person that Sab- dies? Sabretooth dies, but also this... Uh, the one with the mohawk haircut. Oh, the good person. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's a bad good person. Mind boggler. Oh, that's I didn't even know I forgot. I didn't see that panel. Okay. I, I for some well, reason. Well, he kind of that's the that's the negative side with McDonald is like he kind of does like sometimes he doesn't call something out in a big way. Yeah, but I also think that's, uh, I would say that that's an Ostrander problem because you see her getting shot, but you don't really know if she's dead or not. Because at the end of the story, um, you know, Flag says, uh, yeah, we got one person that's going to go to jail, which is the one that turned, and then one that's dead. But I don't mm-hmm. know who he's talking about that died. Okay. Well, it's not clear if Plastique gets killed either. Woman in the purple well, and brown. Well, Plastique is not dead. She turned. She's going to go to jail forever or whatever. Throw the lock or throw the keys away or whatever, as he says. But but they didn't mention the Mohawk lady dies. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, like I said, that's a pattern throughout the whole series where like things are just kind of left a little ambiguous also. Mm-hmm. Are these characters, most of them are pre-existing legacy characters, or did some of them 
Ostender create? Like I know Boomerang is legacy and um, you know, some of these folks like Deadshot or whatever, but are there people that he created for this team? I think all of these characters were pre-existing. In fact, I don't think he ever created any new characters for the book. What about bad guys? Bad guys are new. Yeah, the bad guys are new. And then um, when he kills them off, they're actually like, DC was okay with it then, huh? Yeah, dead is dead. That That is a lot like Cobra 2 in this book. Dead is dead. The characters who are killed, stay killed. Mm. And that's part of the fun of the book is because Ostrander brings in all these obscure characters. I mean, Shade the Changing Man becomes a main character long before the Vertigo series. Oh, interesting. Uh, in this, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, by like issue 10, he's a, a main character. Ditko character, huh? Yeah, I love that book, by the way. If you ever get a chance to read it, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Peacemaker also appears, I think, in the in the book. As in the movie? Yeah, as in the <laughs> and movie. And the TV show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You saw this. You saw the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, right? Was it kind of interesting to see Rick Flagg in there? Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen the... I'm trying to think. I saw the original Suicide Squad which actually had um, Enchantress in it too. And she's a villain in that movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, spoilers. <laughs> but um, it's interesting. The original movie is very, is more true to this one than the last one. Because the original one is a little bit serious. And this last one was a comedy, which I enjoyed much, much more, obviously. It was a better movie, but. Mm-hmm. Not you. Yeah, but this is like you can really see the template, I think, when you read this or the movies and see why it's so well loved. It's pretty cool. I mean, I'm I'm sure it was like a novel idea to to have like the bad guys be the heroes and then have them die kind of like it's like this would be DC's answer to Marvel. I'm uh, to G.I. Joe and Marvel, right? Well, that's a good comparison, I think. Yeah. Because it is a lot like a G.I. Joe type book. We have the core characters and then the characters who get killed off or you bring in for a mission or two and then die. And then, you know, some of the stories get more sophisticated as the story goes along too. Mm -hmm. It's got this interesting international intrigue element to it. Yeah, it's almost like a mixture of uh, G.I. Joe, mixture of um, like maybe even like Seven Samurai magnificent seven where you bring in people together to be heroes uh like uh, the loners or whatever yeah yeah they're not necessarily going to get along they can mm-hmm. always be in some opposition to each other and as the series goes on they have to team up together more trust each other more so yeah you get some evolution but not a lot they're still who they really are mm-hmm. um yeah it's just a good book how, how do you now that you've read it, how, how does it change your opinion of Copra or, or does it? Um, it doesn't really change my opinion of Copra. It changes my opinion of Suicide Squad because all the issues that came out recently, they're very boring and pedestrian and obviously for the movies. So I definitely think that 
I definitely I want to kind of keep reading a couple of more issues of this and see if, it, if I'll enjoy it further. But I definitely did like it. It, it was like a, it's a it's a certain type of like the popcorn comic book type of thing that I would you know it's enjoyable on certain days on like a you know limited amount of basis in my case yeah but I enjoyed it. I think it gets a little better too. I think it gets more sophisticated the further it goes. Um, I never read this book back in the day. And then I picked up like the volume one for some cheap amount at some point. And ended up kind of falling in love with this book mm. because it feels so like 80s action movie, but with kind of a heart to it or an intelligence to it. You know, and I, I keep talking about how these characters grow that made it really powerful to me. But also like, I just kind of, felt this affection for these characters too mm-hmm. and you know you probably feel the same way when you read Copra like you kind of get attached to a lot of these characters yeah I mean I'm not even that attached to Copra I have a lot more respect for it because it is a cr- one creator owned vision and I always love seeing like independent people like creators like write draw color like that's what I love about that story it's that book it's not necessarily i know i have all the trades pretty much um but like uh but to me that's what's really special about copra um and of course like it's an exciting one too like and there's like pretty he does a lot of experimentation and stuff yeah yeah and i think this book was kind of experimental for its time yeah it's pretty cool um i enjoyed it I haven't been keeping up as much with the newer series. It sounds like you're saying probably not worth investing a ton of time in. I, I've bought issues here and there once in a while. I remember there was one where L.S. Cott, who used to do some image comic stuff, started writing it, so I got that. And Oh, right, yeah. It was okay. Um, yeah, it just wasn't really exciting to me. Superhero comics are not as exciting anymore. Well, what I do love about this is people die. And and uh-huh. it sounds like they stay dead. And I like that. There's real st- there's real stakes for these battles. Yeah, 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 exactly. I and mean, the, the villain isn't just screaming for vengeance, but he'll end up pursuing vengeance. And the stories just grow more and more complicated. It's a, it's a pretty tight co- first couple issues, too. A lot gets done in 40-some pages. Mm. Did it feel too too dense to you? That's the one thing I felt when I was rereading it this last time. Like I mentioned, it's just how thick it is in terms of panels per page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of dialogue, but I thought I felt like that that's 80s, you know, that's par for course. And you kind of, you get your money's worth with a lot of dialogue. I think when there isn't, I, I didn't notice there being like, uh irrelevant text because when there was action there wasn't like talking like here i am punching you here you are punching me that was not uh but yeah there's a lot of maybe he could have oh, left that's true out. yeah it's I like thought, voiceover or something yeah i thought the dialogue was when people were communicating with each other and um that was fine admittedly some parts i kind of skipped to <laughs> in terms of dialogue so but i thought it was fine it's not as bad as like, it's not uh, Stan Lee dialogue. No, no. Some of those older X-Men comics are so hard to get through. Even Chris Claremont, like some of those issues oh, well, are yeah, so Chris- overwritten. Oh my God. Shut yeah. up, Chris. 
this moves along pretty crisply, I thought. So yeah, I'm glad to hear you're interested in checking out more. Yeah, I think it'll be a good opportunity to read a little bit more. Oh, thank you.